Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 121 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level, I'm Sarah. I'm lost in thought. Yeah? Yeah, I, I, I almost missed the button. <laughs> Sarah literally had to look at me and be like, uh, you want to cue us in? I'm like, uh, yes, yes, that yeah, is a yeah, thing. Yes, I do. What are we, uh, what's on, what's on no, your mind? Just, do you want to share with the, with the party or, uh? More or less, to just all I want to say is depression is a hell of a thing. Mm-hmm. It affects a lot of people, and because uh, I have a microphone and you don't, well, you do, but um, I'm gonna say congratulations to you who got out of bed. Congratulations to you who went to work today and did your hours. Congratulations to the people who support you and the people who help you, the people who call, the people who write, the people who nag, the people who love you that you may not reach back out to congratulations to all of you to you who listen to you who care to who notice so yeah yeah it's uh i've been i've been pretty open about my own depression uh, for a while and uh, trust me like it 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 took some recontextualizing of of of, uh my own struggles sometimes where uh you know really honestly if you're struggling with depression like Honestly, and I mean from the bottom of my heart, no scrap of sarcasm whatsoever in my voice. Congratulations if you yeah. got out of bed today and yeah. took a shower and like got through the day because you, when you're when you're when you're deep in depression, like that's that's yeah. a thing. That's a thing, you know. And and if you're hearing this and you're feeling that level, you are loved. There are people who care. There are people who help you if you if whether you want it or not at times. But we're we're all. It's a community of people that you probably don't even realize they're there yeah. around you. Depression is a very insidious thing because it will. The first thing it does is it tells you that nobody else cares. Yeah, and that nothing is worth it. Yeah. So it's. Yeah. I had another friend literally tell me today, mm-hmm. like, just let me melt away. Yeah. And I think it's almost more destructive than watching someone die by a, a physical disease, or or the the silence of of ghosting mm-hmm. you know because you you hurt that you can't help more yeah because because so. in a certain way they want it you know that's they, yeah i think that's the, the worst the, the, or i should say i should let me let me rephrase because that sounded really crappy of me the depression tells you that's what you want correct correct yes. no i'm with you i'm with you yeah so yeah i've I've definitely definitely been there so. and that's my three minutes of darkness <laughs> For this conversation, uh, no, no, and but support. But, but it's really out of support. Like, I and, give it to out of support. You know, we've 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 talked about it before on the show, and we've talked about uh, um, you know a couple of our, our our listeners have talked to us about their own struggles and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, once you know that uh, every every single one of you, we, we you know we we say at the end you. of the show, we love you, and yeah. and this is that's not a sales pitch. We're pulling we're pulling for the best for you. Yeah, and to those who think that your words are falling on deaf ears when you talk to someone who's having challenges. Take a breath, listen, be congratulated, try again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Never stop trying. So, all right. So we were doing we're doing a show on world building <laughs> of all things. Well, a little bit, a little bit on world building, and a yeah. little bit on player backgrounds, and kind of where those two yeah. things start intersecting. Well, this kind of came from a mind frame, and I'm gonna try and get my head back in the game here a little uh-huh. bit. Um, huh, funny. Um. It came from the mind frame that there are games like City of Mist um, that help you build a world to start with. Yeah. Like, literally sit you down with your players and say, Session Zero is you building the world together. Um, Not only your characters, but, like, what the city looks like, what the factions are, who's there. And it makes you wonder, like, why we don't just do that in other games. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of times we have pre-built universes. Like, sure. And I say universes. I don't necessarily mean like settings, but I mean full-on universes. Like mm-hmm. Forgotten Realms is a universe, let's be honest. Yeah, sure. Um, Seventh Sea is its own universe. There's mm-hmm. all kind. It's beyond the physical terrain, you're, you've got things. Um, Battletech, clearly universe. You know, mm-hmm. um, Warhammer, universe. Um, so those types of things, it's very hard to see world building because you're not building it's already there there's something established but it doesn't preclude you from defining your setting and your world within it Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. the what is the plot wrapped around your world and so i was like okay when we talk about doing this what is the harm 
to the plot, number one. And mm-hmm. number two, where where do we start for systems that don't encourage that, that don't have that? Right, That right, give right. you either a setting or when you've got your own setting, like, how do you, like, I've got a world and I've got a setting and this is the way things work. How do you give up a little bit to fill in the blanks? Yeah. Where, where do you yeah. find those blanks? And so that's kind of where this came from, this discussion started with. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I think it was, what, three days ago, Sarah goes, where the hell is this going? <laughs> like, how are we doing this? <laughs> well, well, no, it was... It, it, it was, it was it, a very broad it, it idea. Was less, it was less where the hell is this going, and it was just more like, okay, the, you were the one that wrote this one down yeah. on the ideas for future shows sheet. I did, so I you, did. So you had an idea for where you wanted to go with this. Now... <laughs> I have some thoughts. Yeah. I have some input. But yeah. as this show was kind of your baby, I didn't yeah. want it to be like, all right, so here's what we're doing, you yeah. know? So let's start with like established canon and we're kind of talking about stuff like that. So when you're dealing with established canon, even the most detailed established canon that are out there, there are some games that go hard into these are the characters you're physically playing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mostly when I find that you, you get physical characters that you're playing and you're given backgrounds and things like that, they still leave holes, but they explicitly tell you what those holes are. Right, right. Like they're telling you what your, you know, what your background and stuff is, but it doesn't tell you what the drive of the character is. Mm-hmm. Like why they're doing what they're doing. And that's really for you to fill in. In some ways that makes it easier, but we're going to step like one distance away from those types of, of, of settings and move into the ones where there's established quote unquote worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like we mentioned Forgotten Realms, Seventh Sea, yeah. you know, all the... And, and I agree that, you know, most times than not, your first impulse is don't change anything. Mm-hmm. Use established... Like, when I use Seventh Sea, <laughs> you're seeing me wanting to just dump this right off the table? Yes, yeah. yes. Rob put his drink literally on the I edge did. of the table. I so did. Um, <laughs> and I was like, nah, it's not going to... That's no, not going to... But, yeah, the I, I think there's there's a sense that if you... If you only know the world well enough, and maybe some of your players know it better, you're you're running the risk that if you make a change to it, you're going to hurt the world. You're going to hurt the setting and the image of it in front of the players. Um, and, yeah, yeah. And it's, it, it can be that kind of thing. But at the same time, since they already are aware of it, they it kind of can give them a little more inspiration on what they could do and how they could fit into it. I think that this is like one of the reasons you've said that you know because I I've lamented some time before that like I would love to play in an Elder Scrolls game yeah. like it'd be great if someone else would run one you know subtle yeah. subtle hint hint yep, hint yep, I and, know I know and you just looked me flat in the eye and you were like I would never do that that's because you know this setting way too well mm-hmm. and I would never be able to do it justice for you mm-hmm. I was like eh, I don't know about that but. But, but I, okay, I get where you're going. Then, yeah, because you, like, you have an expectation in your mind of what you're going to see and how it's going to feel and the sensations that you're going to go through walking through that world. Mm-hmm. And if it's car- a cardboard version of it and one thing of it is glaringly off, <clears throat> suddenly you're getting stabbed in your creative. You're... you're your realism starts to break down. Yeah, I can, I can see it. I can see it. I, I, I think there's. I mean, I would, I would argue that with Elder Scrolls, the lore is already so screwed up, and the, 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 the presentation of it already is such cardboard cutouts because Bethesda. Um, oh, all the different versions of it. Yeah, yeah, just, just, just overreaches and underperforms in a lot of ways. Well, and I think um, the same but... could be say, said for like Forgotten Realms. I think we set into our minds an expectation as a storyteller of how established a setting is. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a thought that, you know, Ravenloft is an established sh- setting. And breaking away from the established setting of Ravenloft Loft would be bad because your players would know the difference, mm-hmm. if, even if they've stepped one toe in it. Right, That right. there's a feeling. But the truth is, is that there's a lot of things you could do in it, easily. Oh, yeah. And, yeah absolutely. But, and that's the whole point of it, is, is that... Uh, and I, I think it was really great, um, uh, and I'll, I'll reference it a couple of times, Mont Cook of mm. Mont Cook Games. Um, Monty Cook? Yes. Yes. Um, is uh, is one to say that, much like others do, once you, the day, the moment, the second that you stepped your players into that world, it's yours. Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter. I uh, I was recently actually listening to a different podcast um, uh, about Savage Worlds, and they were uh, they had a whole discussion about um, 
playing in established canon worlds. Uh, and they were referring to things like Star Wars. Yeah. And stuff like that, you know, and they were... Uh, the discussion was largely that, like, uh, a lot of them at that at that table didn't feel comfortable playing there because they didn't feel like there was a lot of room left for, mm-hmm. you know, holes to fill with your own plot and such like mm-hmm. that. And um, I think that's, you know, I think that's a real challenge for some people. Like, I, I don't tend to like doing that, but I think there are some... Um, there are some IPs that work a lot better than others. Mm-hmm. Like Star Wars, I think, is pretty easy to fit your own story in. Yeah. You know, I, I think there's there's a lot of time that that takes place over. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, like, the stories are, you know, the the, the, the main events of them, the movies and such that they unfold in some very specific locations. But it's a big galaxy. Yeah. I mean, there's, know? it's, it, it, a good person told me once that, like, especially with Star Wars, the idea of having a Wookiee somewhere else. And they're mm-hmm. like, well, they've established that the Wookiees have been pretty much annihilated. Did you say pretty much? Because that means there's other Wookiees. Right. Duh. Like, yeah. we know they're not annihilated. Yeah. We, we, we've seen that, like, clearly. And another story written by someone else shows that they weren't annihilated, mm-hmm. that they were enslaved, in fact. Yeah. So it's it's easy to step away and allow those stories to become... And I think that's the I think that's the trick is that when you have an established world, the hardest thing you can the the hardest thing that you can do, but the most benefit you can get from it, is talk about that world to your players and let it inspire ideas within them, and then cultivate that inspiration. If they're asking about something specific in that world, mm-hmm. let answer as many questions as possible mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they're gonna they're already thinking down a line. Let them keep going. Yeah. Don't give them an idea. Just answer the questions. Yes. You know, if when you, if you start talking about, um, you know, uh, a, a good example would be, um, especially with Elder Scrolls, um, we talk about elementals, and you're like, no, 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 they're they're, they're not atronachs. Elem- they're atronachs. Yeah. Okay, so what's really an atronach? It's just an elemental. Right. But, but it's what we call them here. Right. In Tamriel. But, but why are they atronachs? Like, what, what makes them different? Do they have souls? No, they're Daedra. Okay, so what's a Daedra? It's an extra planar being. From Ooh. Oblivion. Oh, what the heck's Oblivion? Oblivion is right. any place that isn't here. And that's and that's where that line starts uh-huh. going down until you eventually discover that there's an actual realm in Oblivion, quote-unquote, uh, where it's knowledge. Just endless knowledge. Mm-hmm. Books, scrolls, stories, everything. Literally everything. And crawling with Lovecraftian horrors. But that can bring about a whole story for someone. Sure. Absolutely. And and that's that's the thing is is that anytime you've got existing canon, answer questions. Mm-hmm. Again, try do your best and damnedest not to give them ideas. But just answer those questions and then ask them where they're going with it. Because you never know, but that helps breed that inspiration. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I think like so the, the the impulse is like not at least for me it was to not to mess with the canon, but honestly, like tying your stuff into the canon is probably the best move you can do. Without a doubt. Yeah, I mean you absolutely should futz with the canon and and, and you know, duct tape yourself to the side of it. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know. Um there are uh, like in in Sean's games, uh, he was running in uh, Waterdeep. Mm-hmm, you know, one mm-hmm. of the things he kept trying to push us to do is tie ourselves into the existing factions, the Harpers, the mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Order of the Gauntlet, the you know whatevers. Yeah. But there's there's like a dozen different factions in Waterdeep, yeah. and he was like, "Yeah, you, should, you guys should all get involved in them." You know. Mm-hmm. Um. And and the the more tied in you are to things like that, though, like even just saying, "Okay, my character's a member of the Harpers." Okay, if you know Forgotten Realms, if mm-hmm. you know Waterdeep, mm-hmm. you as the storyteller then go, oh, crap, that gives me so many plot hooks for mm-hmm. you. That gives me, like, three NPCs off the top of my head that you can be yep. um, involved with. That gives you seven different plots you can be involved with, and that gives you some motiv- great motivation to do A, B, C, or D. Right. And right there, like, I mean, that that's a goldmine for storytellers. Yeah. Now I never need to wonder what to do with your character. Right. I can literally just have, at any given time, I can have a dead Harper on the ground, and now it's, oh, oh shoot, this, this is one of mine. I have to avenge him. Exactly, yes. exactly. And that's that's the thing. So when we start stepping even into, regardless of the world that you're in, like player backgrounds and their connections to them mm-hmm. give you that linkage. Um, and 
it starts the investment process. And I think that's really what a lot of this, um, if, if I could put anything forward and, I, and come back to it a multiple times within mm. this, within our show is that by doing any part of this, you are breeding player investment mm -hmm. and investment is one of the hardest things to get into a game. It is exceptionally hard because when your players are invested, they will do the things you ask them to do. When your players are not invested, they will do whatever they want to do. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. Yeah. If you want your players to not feel like they're being shoved through a game on rails, get them invested. Mm -hmm. At that point, they will run down the tracks as hard as and as fast as they can. Yep. yep. Every time. So... When a player presents to you a background that's already attached to the world, be it your own world, meaning you give them, um, uh, uh, there's a word that I'm looking for, but I'm going to lost it, um, agency. When you give them agency to write into your world, mm -hmm. you are already giving them investment. Yeah. No matter how broad the stroke is. Because at that point, you can start narrowing down what part of that is important to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, giving the uh, giving them the utility to um to express themselves through those backgrounds again, even in some broad strokes, you don't have to. You don't even you, th those broad strokes may never even reach your plot, mm -hmm. but an aspect of that broad stroke can be used as a hook. Um, I.e., I'm a ex prince uh, from a land that was th that was destroyed. It mm -hmm. was a it was an island, uh, and I uh, I was exiled by my father, and then the kingdom fell. Mm -hmm. So technically I have nobility and that's how I have my money. Uh, and I've just been living uh, like uh, an exiled individual and have, have lost my name because of that. But unfortunately it means that there are people who want me because the, because our kingdom fell, but I'm still the heir. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So you're hunted. Okay. So they're thinking in their mind, they have a hunted background. Um, you know, they, they have money and they've kind of explained things. What that tells me as a storyteller is that, there are people that matter to them. Mm -hmm. Maybe their sister that they didn't know they had. Maybe a, a chancellor from their land who also got away. You know, we don't have to go to their island. But if that chancellor shows up doing something within my story and they recognize them, that person is now protected in their mind. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, the moment that one of my villainous groups has the markings of the people hunting them, Suddenly, now it matters, right? Either right. to run from them, or to get close to them for information. And I didn't have to do anything. All I had to do was grab small aspects mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. they already had given me. As one of the things I was I was thinking too about is is um, the difference in uh, what sort of world building you get out of storytellers versus this, what what you get out of players. Um, and that is, storytellers will often world build with utility in mind. Yes. We think about, okay, what is the realm called? What is its politics mm -hmm. and governmental structure like? How populous is it? What's sure. their major imports and exports? What's a major religion they've got there, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, players world build with drama in mind. Yes. Players will not think of any of those details, but what they will think is, so my character was a prince, and there was a count who coveted the uh, the the throne, mm -hmm. and that's why X, Y, and Z happened, and the the throne was usurped, and that's why I'm on the run, mm -hmm. and the count's men are after me, et cetera, et cetera. Like they will create kingdoms whole cloth, but only to serve as a backdrop for this wicked count that overthrew right. them. Correct. You know, I mean, you as a storyteller may look at that and go, okay, well, how am I how am I going to make this like? count and prince and this and what's the governmental structure there why would the count stand to actually pick up the crown you know you you know you know what maybe it matters maybe it doesn't it, it doesn't until it's in, until it's encountered and that's the key it, exactly exactly but what i'm saying though is that you can you may not even have come up with a story like that simply because you're not mm -hmm. looking for drama when you're world building your players are the ones that hand that to you and that is honestly an invaluable resource that being said, at that level, uh -huh. Nox just posted something, and I, I love this. He's well, first off, Nox is killing me in uh, in in chat here. Is he <laughs> the, this is this this uh, this hypothetical uh, PC that we're talking about. Yeah. He's this this the character formerly known as Prince. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, just put in, 
I just want a place in town where I can get Japanese style crepes with ice cream. Right? Uh-huh. That's fine. That's that's actually a solid build. Mm-hmm. Maybe their character isn't a hero yet. Mm-hmm. They're just becoming one. Like, this is the world where they become a hero. But they know people in town. Mm-hmm. You do know the ice cream parlor. Or at least what is currently known as the ice cream parlor. And it happens to be run by an, an elderly man uh, from an Asian province. Yeah. And he was taught French crepes and kind of mixes it all together. Mm-hmm. And the fusion is enough that it brings people in. I mean, he doesn't make a lot there, but he makes enough that he's got some pretty decent patrons who order out from his place and have him delivered. And it just so happens you've made a few deliveries in town. So you know this guy and this guy and this guy. Yeah. And they know they can go to you to get some crepes in the middle of the night when the Duchess really wants some crepes. The funny <laughs> thing is, you think that's such an innocuous little request, and it can be a great tie-in, especially for a zero-to-hero, you know, uh, story exactly. to be right there. Exactly. You know, you're you're going to be that character that, like, 17 sessions in is going to be, like, you know, firing an assault rifle over the, uh, over the, the, the broken-out wall of a shattered building, mm-hmm. you know, uh, at the at the robot um, you know minions of the big bad evil guy who have destroyed half the city and you're gonna be shouting I just wanted some damn crepes <laughs> you know <laughs> I just wanted a cup of coffee yeah I just wanted a cup of coffee uh-huh. that's it I mean greater movies have been made about characters who have epic backgrounds but literally they just got out of prison and all they wanted was a cup of coffee mm-hmm. that's it that's it it's that simple I mean it's it's in a way, it's kind of what John Wick was. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I was happily retired. I was just mourning my wife, caring yeah. for my dog. Yeah. Like, honestly, I'd have let the whole car thing go, but you shot my dog. And that was the last memory I had of my wife. And that, I can't yeah. I can't let that go. You know? And you think of what how John Wick's story would have been different if they just hadn't shot the dog. Well, and here's my favorite part about that as regards to what we're doing. For world building. So... You've got this idea that you want to run a game that involves a uh, that involves some underworld stuff, a lot of gunplay, a little bit of comedy, but uh, like this whole assassins world. Mm-hmm. And one of your players comes up to you and goes, "Hey, uh, okay, so I I'm playing kind of like this uh, retired assassin." And you're like, "Great, okay, wonderful." But he's like a ghost. Like he did all of the bad jobs so that he could retire. Mm-hmm. Go on. Okay. So, like, they sent him on the most deadly job ever, and he survived it. Okay. You know why? Because he got out for love, and then his wife died on him. Oh. Wow, that's tragic. So, uh, that that's where I'm starting the game. I'm retired. Okay. You're a retired old assassin. Uh-huh. Hmm. There's a, there's a name for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. And and literally, th- I could easily see a player writing up the entire, like, that type of history for it and allowing for you to fill in all those gaps. Like, uh, who was the last guy you did the job for? Oh, it was this guy. Mm-hmm. And he asked me to kill off this whole ring-leading group. Okay, you got it. Now, that, that actually, that, that brings up my next point, too, right. though, is that... Um, so as we're talking about getting your backstories from your players, I mean, not every backstory that you're going to receive from your players is going to be solid gold. Right. Like, um, you know, I mean, Rob and I are very experienced at coming up with this. We can come up with a million stories off the top of our heads, but some we're players... Ter- I'm terrible at writing my own character <laughs> stories in other people's games. But but, but still, though, yeah. you know, I mean, we're, we're used at least to, yeah. to leaning into the drama and coming up with stories like this. Correct. You know? But some players... A, it might not be good at it, or they right. may not be experienced at it, or Correct. a combination of both. Right. And it may be more difficult for them to do, and especially if they're not familiar with the setting going mm-hmm. in, it may be a lot more difficult for them to just be like, oh, just integrate it into the canon of Forgotten Realms. Well, gee, I'll just catch up on the, you know, 30, 40 years of that. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like, physical years of that. <laughs> right. Countless right. books, tons of add-ons, three different versions of, of D&D. Yes, yeah. exactly. So... Um, I mean, it, it it can be big, yeah. and so not not everything you're going to receive is going to be you know Pulitzer Prize you know style stuff. Um, what I like to do is I like to write very vague. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to write stuff that can be transplanted just about anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, my wizard in your game, yep. uh, I was like lived in a mining village in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Period. I don't care what mountains. I don't care what we mined. Nope. I don't care what was going on there, mm-hmm. what the other communities were like. We lived in a mining village up in the mountains where it was snowy. Yep. 
that's the only thing that was necessary to the setting. Yep. And you could have been like, oh, yeah, okay, so on my map up in the north, there's all these mountains by the orc kingdoms. Cool. Sounds great. Mm-hmm. I'll, write, I'll write orcish down as my, as my secondary language. Yep. And that was done, yep. you know? Yep. Um, I had a uh, one of my players in my Elder Scrolls game, um, the Mad Elf, actually, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. gave me a very good uh, backstory um, involving the tragic death of his uh, of his mother, uh, who was raising him in a remote village, mm-hmm. um, and uh, was it was the whole place was raised to the ground by some by some bandits, mm-hmm. and I already had this plot in mind of this bandit uprising in this remote part of Cyrodiil. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, well, what if he says, well, I, I didn't know, I didn't know the bandit's name. Okay. What if you did, would that change anything about your story? No, no, I think, you know, I mean, if you give me a name, that's, that's cool. I said, cool. His name is Mogrub Gro Uzguk. You know that name. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, how do you spell that? Mm-hmm. Writes it down. I hate this guy. Gotcha. You know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, sure enough, we get up into, uh, in, you know, 10 game sessions later, we get up into the, the, the bandit kingdoms mm-hmm. and like, oh yeah, you know, we're, we're these rough and tumble bandits and we follow a guy named Mogrub and he's like, go on. <laughs> investment. Exactly. Instant investment. Just yeah. because I took part of his story and I met him halfway. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's just about him, him reaching out with, hey, there's bandits involved, and me going, okay, so what if the bandits were like this? Is that yep. cool? Can we integrate there? Yeah. Now, there's a framing point of saying no. Where, yeah. Where your players yeah. may go too far or too detailed. Yeah. Some, sometimes your players hand you things that just don't work. Yeah. And you should be able to say no. Now, I, I honestly tell you, I, I can't say when you should say no. I, it, it all depends on the game. I think... I think you will learn when to say no within certain story parameters, but sometimes it doesn't matter what they're adding. You can just ignore whole hoth of it because it it doesn't affect the plot. But at the same time, if they go into detail about the world, about, you know, races or prejudice or something on a broad cloth scale that might affect other players, I think that's where things start becoming closer to the uh, no that's that's too much for instance if a player is talking about the local setting and i'll use something like Shadowrun as an example and they start talking about how uh they're involved with a very large megacorp uh you know that their that their family was involved in heavily building you know uh military tech for and they make up a brand new megacorp that's larger than other megacorps. Right, right. Right. And oh yeah, they bought as technology last year. Oh, oh, did they? Did, did, okay. Okay, so you're you're literally not only changing the canon of the existing world, but you're also setting up an entire corporate structure behind you. Mm-hmm. Okay, go go mm-hmm. on. Did they like topple? Like so at this point you, it becomes more and more difficult for you to think about all the integration points and how that affects other players. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, like I uh, for for me, you know, who plays a lot of of, of, of fantasy um, storytelling, uh, a lot of times, like it'll be like, okay, well, my character is a draconian because draconian, you know, dra- or dragon dragonborn, or you mm-hmm. know, in in the book, you're like, okay, but they don't exist in Tamriel, and that's where my game is set, you know, right, right, right. Well, my character is no, your no. character flat up isn't like no is yeah. the answer, you right, know, right. Or um, what I've seen too before is like, okay, well, they come from this kingdom like this, and you're like. The kingdom doesn't exist in my canon. Can we make you fit somewhere else? Well, no. It's just it's really important that like this. Okay, then then you can't do that. Yeah, my my group are blind uh, blind magic monks. Okay. Well, like okay. I mean, I can understand that. Right. But, but like inventing the... a whole kingdom whole cloth. Right. Is one thing. Now you're like it was a little insignificant island kingdom of you know a hundred thousand people that like disappeared in a blip in the political machinations of the major empire that was nearby. Right. And there was some political drama where a count was trying to overthrow the thing and I'm mm-hmm. a deposed prince and stuff of like that. But like literally even if my kingdom were still there and I came to the mainland and were like, I'm the prince of Boletaria, they'd been like, You who know? Yeah. You know, that I don't mind that style world building where yeah. you're gonna be like, Oh yeah, it's an insignificant little thing off in the corner 
it still justifies my background. I'm still nobility, et cetera, et cetera. Sure, sure. But like, I'm not shifting the geopolitical infrastructure of your world mm-hmm. by adding this little island kingdom. Right, exactly. You know? Exactly. And I, that's the whole thing is how much does it affect the other players? How much does it affect the story, the impact of the story that having on those players? Mm-hmm. And And how much resources are they pulling from their background versus what their character is capable of? Yeah. I think that's the other piece to it. So finessing the character a little bit to push them into something that's more legitimate. It's, I mean, if their character has the stats and points for it, sure, let's mm-hmm. figure out a way that we can make that work. But if if they're like literally just a standard elf, but if they want to be an aquatic elf from an area that doesn't exist and you're having everything in a desert campaign... That's just them being challenging. Yeah, that's just them being challenging. Uh, Knox is asking in the in the, in the live chat, uh, mm-hmm. what's what's the term for the character that doesn't fit in the thirteenth samurai? It's, it's it's the thirteenth warrior. Warrior, yes. Uh, as in as in the movie, the thirteenth warrior. warrior. Um, it was a movie about a bunch of Vikings. Um, and uh, Antonio Banderas' character was playing an Arabian poet. You could you that could, didn't speak the language. The Hobbit also fits. The Hobbit also fits. It yes. also fits. So, um, great for novels. Terrible mm-hmm. for RPGs. Terrible for RPGs. Yeah. So. Um, when they are defining themselves, even in existing canon, anytime we can tie them to something, you're giving a benefit to yourself as a story, as a storyteller. Um, anytime you want to make minor changes to these groups, that's fine. For instance, if your player is talking about, um, uh, for instance, I would say in Elder Scrolls, because I do know there's an assassins group in the Elder Scrolls, right? Um, that have rook, that have hired hits like maybe I want to be John Wick in your world mm-hmm. in in Elder Scrolls sure which very easy to do one hundred percent honest easy to do but I say that uh, the person who uh, ordered the hit uh, didn't order it on uh, you know the final hit it was a hit on somebody within that assassin's order mm-hmm. you know uh, so it was an it was a writ on somebody else in there so they could elevate themselves in that order mm. and I name people. Now, in all honesty, in Elder Scrolls, it probably wouldn't make that much of a difference. Yeah. But you could very easily say, do you mind if we change the names to these two people? Mm-hmm. And just finesse it in that direction. Again, it doesn't matter because it's done. That's part sure. of the plot history. But at the same time, when it comes back around, the player is the one that matters within those worlds. Mm-hmm. And again, gets that investment. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it also lets them invest in the lore, like you were, we were saying earlier, which mm-hmm. I think is great. I think where you really need to start focusing yourself as a storyteller when you do these things is a lot of players will create very broad strokes, like we were talking about, mm-hmm. kingdoms, histories, you know, things that happened, you know. Well, like maybe I said, they'll, they'll, they'll build for drama. They're not, right. not going to think of, like I said, the geopolitical implications of sticking a kingdom there. Right. They're just going to think, oh, what if an evil count overthrew my throne? Exactly. You know? The thought is is that you then need to, as a storyteller, bring that scope down to your reality. Mm-hmm. Your two blocks of a city or your section of the countryside. Mm-hmm. Whatever your act or story or campaign is framed to. And don't go beyond what the players can see from the moment they step into the scene. If they can't see beyond the mountains, forget about the beyond the mountains. Yeah. Whatever's there is there. It yeah. doesn't matter. But within that mountain range, that's the kind of questions of scope you need to be playing with your characters. Let them help you fill those places in. Mm -hmm. And the closer you get to them, the more defined those areas can be and can be helpfully defined by your players. You don't have to come up with every name of every innkeep and bread maker and tankard swinger and, and guild leader. Right. Your players can help you define those relationships Mm -hmm. so that your story can be attached around it. Mm -hmm. And that's the really key thing there is that when you're getting components of scale, remember, it is about where they're at. And this is where things can get where you can start asking those questions. Um, Because we talked about the large scope stuff like the government, the rules, laws and things like that. Frame questions to your players. While they're coming up with their with their things, you know, when they come up with a, a, a you know, you came to this kingdom, you know, from your your island or whatever, um, who met with you? Who helped you get settled? Mm-hmm. You know, was there a, a, a count or a duke who who knew you? 
uh yeah okay it was it was these this group that's a uh, uh you know um they're 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 a, a local uh, duchy okay l- let's come up with a name for them mm-hmm. you know and then integrate that into your government presence that's there mm-hmm. now you have a name for someone who's local they came up with it great or they came up with the idea of what it is and they're excited about it yeah yeah absolutely because it's tying them to them um you know are there laws that have been broken? If you've got players who literally talk about either being criminals or fighting criminals or or dealing with criminal under, ask them about some of the laws. Mm-hmm. Are there any quirky laws? Like something that you just don't like or something that you know very well. Yeah, yeah. Let them help define that because that then sets a tone in their mind of what they're seeing day to day. And, you know, I think that the most important thing, too, is that this... this not only not only shows you what your players hold important exactly okay and that's that's number one is is that your your players backstories and what your players bring to the table for world building is going to show you what they find to be important that will inform what sort of story they're asking you to tell them exactly um but the other thing that keeps coming to mind too as mm-hmm. we're kind of talking about like you're saying like you know if you're never going to go over the mountains don't write Mm-hmm. What's on the other side of the mountains? Yep. You know, um, it's. Uh, uh, I've been watching some stuff um, on YouTube about uh, one of my favorite games, Dark Souls. Yeah, and there's a channel that like goes into basically developer debug mode in that mm-hmm. game, mm-hmm. and will like swing the camera around in weird places that you can never normally see in the game mm-hmm. to show you kind of what's behind places. Right. Um, they flip the lighting up yeah. all the way so yeah. you can see through the darkness and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, it's remarkable how little stuff is actually like. And it's a beautiful game, yeah. But like, man, if you're one inch beyond the sight line of mm-hmm. where they need, like, they just did not put anything there, yeah. You know, and uh, I, I think that that same philosophy really kind of comes down to uh, to world building and. Um, Especially like, you know, with, with getting that feedback from your players of like yeah. what do they want to put into the world and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So what this does is it helps you essentially set up just like just like the in video game design, your facades. Yes. You know? Yep. What do you need to be a fully fleshed out interactable object and what literally can be a cardboard cutout you set in the distance mm-hmm. to fool them into thinking that it's there. Yep. You know? Yep. But in the story sense. Oh uh, Knox uh, used the Truman show. Yeah, the Truman Show. Yeah, exactly. That's a great way. I mean, there was stuff, a great framing within the Truman Show for the Truman's world where things in the world weren't even finished or real. Mm-hmm. You know, this was a, this was a giant office building, but the elevators didn't work. Yeah. They weren't even real because they didn't have to be. Yeah. That was an expense they did not want to pay. Because Truman wasn't ever going to go into them. And if they're not going to interact with it, why come up with mechanics for it? Correct. Until you have to. Uh-huh. Because I'm willing to bet that that elevator had a out of order the day that he needed to use it. Oh, I'm sure. And then they looked to the stairs, and there was guys cleaning it. But magically, the guy that they needed to talk to came right out the door next to it like, Oh, Truman, it's good to see you. Uh-huh. You know, why don't we meet outside? It's much more comfortable, and it's a beautiful day. Bingo. And there is... you Now you never needed to put anything more than a lobby in that building. That's right. That's and right. that, and honestly, that's great game design. Yeah, that's great game design. I mean, right there. how many times have you been in a game and you've gone up a set of stairs into a doorway and it's there's rubble in front of it, uh huh, or rubble forms in front of it, uh huh. You know, oh, can't go that way. Start running down the corridor. Oh, I can't go this way. I guess I have to go into the sewers. Right, a framed in, walled in area. <laughs> <laughs> To get turned around in. And then that's not to say that you should railroad your characters. But... No, but it is a way of understanding framing and scope. Yes, exactly. exactly. So, uh... and if and if someone says, hey, you know, my, my character, you know, uh, works intimately with this particular aspect of the story or knows mm-hmm. a bunch of people here or is looking to get into this or yeah. comes from this, you un- you understand that is something maybe you should put some extra time flushing out into. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. You know, let your characters become invested mm-hmm. in the world. Let them come up with intricacies that they know, because the moment that those things start to break down is the moment they get more invested. Yeah. That they want to fix this problem. Mm-hmm. 
you know, or break it more depending on how, what investment they're going after, you know, what drives them. Um, I, I love that of watching that turn, you know, where somebody gets invested in something and then you just start using that investment to pull everything else together. Now, um, kind of a, a little, a little off tangent, um, uh, from, from the world building aspect, mm-hmm. but directly related to your player's investment and building the world that they want to see. Um, one question I'm going to be adding into our post game breakdown, mm-hmm. uh, is, uh, what would you like to see happen next game? Okay. Okay. Uh, because this, this, it, 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 now, it, and that's not to say that, you know, you get to ask me to make something happen. Like, I'm not going to shift the plot just because you said you wanted to see it happen. That's not what the purpose of the question is. But it gives you an insight into the characters and where they foresee the plot going. Mm-hmm. And what intent they may have with their character moving forward. Okay. I may help you with one aspect of that. What's that? And that is, that's a very broad question. And that may confuse some of your players as like, how do I answer that? You may want to help give them prompts. Yeah, maybe. It just I'm, I'm just thinking but it's I, very broad. But I, but I kind of like it open-ended. Because because it leaves a lot of a lot of room for interpretation on the player, and that that leaves them to answer what they feel is important. Right, but what I'm going to say is that somebody may, you're, you might all too often because they don't have a direction. They're going to say, "I don't know. I th- everything's fine. I don't know. I just want to see where things are going," because they they don't have a good answer to an open ended question. Yeah, maybe. I th- I think that's a cop out, but okay. We'll talk more. Okay. I've got some ideas there for you. Okay. So, all right. So, because uh, I want to get to these questions, because I think the questions help answer the end, some of the other stuff I want to talk about. What I'm, I'm going to say is engaging your players in world building allows them to feel ownership even before the dice hit the table. Mm-hmm. That it gives you hooks when their friends, their family, their neighbors are involved in actions of plot. Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah. Um, As a player, though, be involved in the story. Ask questions about the world and be interested in it mm-hmm. for you and your character. Because when you ask about the world, the storyteller is going to see that interest and see that investment. Yeah. And they will get excited, which will make you excited and others excited. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. All right. Let's hit some of these questions. All righty. Uh, let's start at the bottom here. Sounds good. So Overwatch asks... Um, Having uh, having some star creators at your table that add really good ideas to your world is one thing, but how do you deal with the situations when the ideas are not so good? What do you do about players uh, about a player that keeps suggesting something that makes no sense, is contrary to what's been done so far, or is just plain bad, especially if they have their hearts set on it? My concern with that is that I've... I've dealt with players who've graced the edge of it. Mm-hmm. And the idea that a player is doing something bad is always a hard statement to run. Yeah. Because bad is subjective at best. Mm-hmm. I think that if it is something that is destructive to the game or shows that it is it is beyond what the character is and what the merits of the character is, meaning they're writing background to to add on to the character's existing abilities. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think at that point you need to like, you need to help scope them to their character. Like yeah. if, if you want yeah. a character who's noble and has something, there's, there's rules for that. Like we can, we can make, we can give you edges and flaws and, and make your character noble and, and give them some of these abilities. No, 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 no. I'm a gunslinger, but I'm a noble gunslinger. Like, I got money, you know, old money. Mm-hmm. Like, I can call my dad for stuff. Well, there, there's rules for that. Right, right, right. 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 As long, so, if you can make that fit in the points, that's fine. You know, you know or or I, I don't have to eat or sleep ever. You know, I'm, I'm not undead. I actually am a recovered vampire, you know. So I, I just don't have a soul. Mm-hmm. You know, so if I ever die, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't get to come back. Like I get resurrected, but um, I also can't die by starvation or 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 bleeding out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not going to happen. Okay, well, that that's those 
those are powers that aren't in the game. Well, yeah, 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 but like, but I've got this thing that means I can't serve. No, you're literally changing the rules of the game. Yeah, yeah. So I think once you start stepping beyond the rule base, I think that's when you really have to check with the player and, and get them back into scope. Uh, I th- I think my answer for this is twofold. Um, first, uh, I I think when you when you've got a player that really wants to in, insists on straying out of the boundaries and foraying off into their own their own little world here and trying to introduce things that are actively like harmful to the setting and the established mm-hmm. canon and stuff like that. Um, I think the most important question you can ask them is, what are you trying to accomplish with like what story are you trying to tell mm-hmm. you know why what does your suggestion add to the setting that you feel it's lacking that you need to add this in right and if their answer is eh, just for s's and g's i just think it's funny then you can be like okay i i don't I, i'm not finding it particularly enjoyable and i'm not going to include it in my in my mm-hmm. game you know maybe we can we can come to a compromise if there's something there but if it's not, like if it's literally not important to you then i'm not going to include it right because it change it changes things for the worse you yep. know yep. um no if you've got but i think if you've got a player that is like again trying to like and keeps pushing you know beyond having that conversation of them just trying to add like weird. I'm. I, I always think of the goofy character mm-hmm. that's like my character is a clown and he hits people with pies for one d four damage. And you're like, this is a serious like Game of Thrones style game. You know, mm-hmm. like what? Why are we doing a clown that hits people with pies? You know, mm-hmm. and and tells you've got a d ten list or a d one hundred list of corny jokes to tell every time you have a line to say. Right. Um. If you've got a player that that persists in that, one of the best pieces of advice I've heard in a long time is don't use an in-game solution to solve an out-of-game problem. Um, I oftentimes see like on on, uh, Reddit discussions and stuff that, well, how do I punish this player in character? You know, how do I punish his character? Well, don't, don't, Mm -mm. don't. It's the player being, you know, being disruptive. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the player trying to screw with your plot, trying to screw with your world and stuff like that. And they're not respecting the tone of the game. Mm-hmm. They're not respecting the other people, and they're not respecting your story and your world building. Yep, exactly. And that needs to be an out-of-character discussion. Yep. So, you know, I, I think there's two degrees to that. I mean, I wouldn't immediately jump to the out of like, you you, you did a world-building bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't immediately jump to the sit-down talk. Sure. But, you know, the the... The, uh, the the come to Gygax speech. Yeah. Um, or the, like, I, it's just the, I don't think that's fitting the tone of this game. Yeah. And I think when you're doing more open world building with more players, that kind of is going to be shown. <sighs> Pardon me. Mm-hmm. I, I think the other players will be able to step up and say, yeah, that's, that, that doesn't sound right. Mm-hmm. And that's how you'll know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think open table world building is fun and it allows you to feel the tempo of the entire group. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So. All right, uh, Technolich, they said, uh, how do you motivate a player who is not interested in world-building process? Should it be a requirement that players be an active participant in collaborative world-building, or is it okay just to let someone hang if that's what they're there to do? Uh, no, I mean, I, I don't I don't think anybody's obligated to. I mean, so, like, some people are just people. Mm-hmm. You know, they 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 end up in the plot honestly enough. Mm-hmm. They don't have to have a huge convoluted backstory nope. with a huge convoluted society that they're brought into and a Rube Goldberg machine full of events that bring them to their to that exact place and time where the adventure starts. Sometimes you're just like, you know, I need a little extra cash and I have a sword. I'm mm-hmm. going to become an adventurer. Yep. I think as a storyteller, you can start with some simple hooks that tie them into the story, especially if they're if they're relatively simple storylines. Sure, sure. You know, ask them where they got their education. Like, mm-hmm. where'd you learn to use that sword? Like, uh, do you have family in town? You know, where do you like to eat? So that you immediately have some very rooted hearth hooks for them. Yeah, yeah. In the in the immediate area, or even in the extended area. Like if if they're like. It's, they're a sword slinger. Okay, well, where did you learn to use a sword? Uh, I went to the Kippe Academy. You know, uh, my dad uh, paid for it. Okay, you went to the Kippe Academy. So, okay, so so here's the thing. In my experience, though, mm-hmm. you're not going to get that answer. Uh, you're 
I, I will I will turn this right back around on sure. you. The same reason you said, what would you like to see next happen next game session? Yep, is the exact same reason why you can't just say to a to say to this type of player, mm-hmm. where did you learn to use that sword? Right, because they're not going to go. Oh, at the Kipe Academy, they're right. going to go. I don't know. Okay, well, um, I don't know. I guess. I guess I just I don't know. Learned, like, are you self taught? Sure. Okay. They're going to take the first suggestion because they don't know. Right. You know, and and that's the thing is, is the closer you can get to simple defined questions mm-hmm. that allow them to feel like they they are part of the local or part of hearth, hearth and home. Mm-hmm. I think you get to a a much simpler uh, entry point for them. Yeah. You know. Uh, like Shadowrun's a giant universe and it scares the crap out of people and not everyone can come up with a great story about it. Sure. But you can always ask them like, uh, what's your favorite candy? You know, what character's favorite candy? Mm-hmm. Mr. Goodbars. Or I, I, I like chocolate. Okie dokie. You mm-hmm. like chocolate. Excellent. And the the moment that they come into, you know, a stuffer shag, you're like, hey, Jax, do you hear for your chocolate? Yeah. Now they're Now they're getting invested. Yeah. And that's it. It's yeah, that simple. It's all about the leaving the little breadcrumbs and stuff right. like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, uh, yeah. I mean, you, you can, you can, you can pare these these types of players down very simply. Um, I've, I've got one or two of these players in, in my, in my group. Um, and sometimes, like for one of the players, I, I think it's because uh, I don't, I don't necessarily know that, like. She didn't really know the world, mm-hmm. and I don't know that she has a lot in mind for what she wants to do with her character. Sure. Um, we've 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 talked about it a little bit, and there's some things that we kind of discussed back and forth, but never has this player come to me and been like, okay, I figured my character out, and I think I want to do this with her. Right. You know? On the other hand... Um, one of my other, one of my other characters very much was that, Mm -hmm. that style thing where, um, the player was like, I'm not going to write a backstory because I don't know enough about the world yet to tell you what this character's motivations are and such. Yeah. But then, you know, 25 game sessions in, I've sat down with this player and they've told me like, okay, 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 okay. I've, I've got some great ideas now. Mm -hmm. And I said, all right, let me ask you a couple leading questions do you feel like it was this or do you feel like it was more of this? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was definitely the first one. All right, cool. That gives me an idea for what NPCs or what, you know, organizations might have led to these events. Tell me more about what happened, mm-hmm. you know, and now looks like at 25 game sessions in, we're coming up with this character's backstory Yep, and it's great. So. All right. One more question. Alrighty. Um, so Knox and the boss asks, and this is a long question, long question. Um, I feel like this is an exercise in improv where the GM is trying to keep the players in the shared driver's seat and keep it natural. It is. How do you ask for things for the players to contribute without it turning into a messy and ridiculous game of Mad Libs that might not fly with the other players? Do you only ask for things that are non-consequential and mostly flavor? Or do you trust players with things that might be more important to the plot and main story? First off, never trust your players with the plot. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. Everything you're asking is about the world. Your plot doesn't have to fit. Okay. Your plot is not a cog that fits into the world. You're, the world is merely the plastic chassis wrapped around the engine that is your plot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's that simple. If if your player says that they are a, you know, a minotaur... And and another player is a elven ranger, and another player is a is a jester. Great, because your plot should be able to run with those individuals, and your story can continue. Yeah. Now that that's my whole thing is is that your plot is what you make it, not what your players make mm-hmm. it. What you're doing with what they're uh, with what this world building does is give you hooks that they feel inspire them. Mm-hmm. And motivate them. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's so. So if you're if you trust your group enough to not be absolutely ridiculous about their world, and that your plot can basically fit it, you know, will effectively fit into anything. It really doesn't matter what they come up with, as long as they're in, as long as they fit the theme that works for the group. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, kind of going back to my group. Um, 
you know, I, I, uh, I think it's, it's about setting expectations in the session zero first. 100%. 100% about session zero, um, where you say, okay, look, I, obviously I'm not going to tell you what the plot is because no. that's, that's the journey ahead of you. Right. But, um, when you're creating characters, all I need is a motivation to be an adventurer and you must be a member of the fighters guild or the mages guild yep. and be prepared to take missions from them. Yeah. Or, and I can't. I I got I got anywhere's from. Literally, the entire story of the character is I'm a Khajiit archer. Mm-hmm. Where from? Um, Khajiit land. Wherever the Khajiit come from. Elsewhere, yeah, that place. Yeah. All the way up to, uh, I you know blah 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 blah. I was a uh, a noble in High Rock, and this happened, and we had a trading company, mm-hmm. and blah blah. You know, which led me to blah 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 blah, and then I came here. Mm-hmm. Great. Cool. All that works. I, and now you're, me- I, a, now you're a member of the Mages and, Guild. And now you're a member of the Mages Guild. And that Khajiit Archer who comes from elsewhere is, a member of the is now a member of the Fighters Guild. Yep. Cool. We're done. As yeah. long as as long as that last sentence of that backstory, whether it is the, the, the short one or the long one, is, and now I'm a member of this party doing this plot. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. I mean, things like Shadowrun give you that focus point. Mm-hmm. You're all shadow runners. That's the key. Right. How did you get to be a shadow runner? Why are you doing this? Why, why is that your drive? That's the only thing you really have to answer as a question. I don't care about the rest of it. Mm-hmm. That none of that other stuff matters other than it gives me things to hook into. Mm-hmm. But when it comes right down to it, you know, I don't care you love horses more than anything else. What that does tell me is that if there's a stable going to be in one of my scenes or horses that are in trouble or someone who's raising horses or someone who's breeding horses... That I can throw in to hook you, I know I can hook your character. I know I can do that. So let me let me get back to this this part of the question because I, I don't know that we've we've answered this one. Sure. Um, is how do you ask for things from the players to contribute? So again, that comes back down to scope. Remember that you're defining what is visible. Mm-hmm. You can either start from a grand point of looking at their backgrounds and where their background reaches into that scope like how it blends down to the local mm-hmm. of your scope or start local F- find the people who are most local and ask them the simple questions where do you stay what's a good pub in town mm-hmm. what's the name of you know what's the name of the local blacksmith name two laws in town that are that that you that you've that everyone breaks without question mm-hmm. you know and that helps define what how they feel the area is. And you're you're cooking them in and making the world feel real to them and attached to them and at the same time giving yourself outs for your session 0 through 4. Mhm. And that's that's where it is, but the moment you start stepping outside of that scope to the edges of the frame of what they can see that's where you can pull a little bits of their background to attach to those mm-hmm. simple little things. The standard of this group, which was the group that brought you here, or then the another member of the same academy that you were fu- that you fought in. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that can reach the edge of the scene to draw them in a direction or or give them confidence about something. Yeah, right on. And keep them inspired. So, all right. So next week's topic is uh, where's the plot? <laughs> um, so we're going to be talking about the dichotomy kind of between location centric storytelling, as in the story takes place in the city, um, or player centric plots, as in plot that follows the players wherever they go. Uh, so you can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave, on Instagram at st underscore conclave. Uh, listen to us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. We record then on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave. And uh, join us up on our Discord. Um, join the discussion. Shoot us some questions. We'd love to see that. Uh, you can find the link to that on our Twitter or on our website, uh, storytellerconclave.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon named members, Knox in the Box, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Veteran, and Hulavu. We truly appreciate all your support week after week. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music, Beyond the Warriors, is by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is only our footprints in the sand 
Man by Midair Machine. You can find that at freemusicarchive.org. And a big shout out as always to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank, Thank you so you. much for staying with us and uh, loving us all these years. Yes. Our friends and family who have sat with us at our tables all these years and given us these great stories to tell and, you. And histories and backgrounds. <laughs> and histories and backgrounds. And contri- collaborative world building. Yes. And you, every single one of our listeners. We love you so much. We truly, truly love you. Hang in there, everybody. Everyone. Good night. Good night.